0: Hey guys, um, my name's Casey, and I am one of the student body chaplains this year. (laughs) Um, I'm super pumped to say that Megan Swan will be speaking to us this morning, and a lot of you probably remember her. She was one of our student body chaplains last year. She's pretty great, and I was talking to her beforehand, and she literally said the words, I'm not that exciting. I was like, okay, (laughs) actually, how exciting and how awesome is it to have one of our own peers back to speak to us this morning. I'm super excited. I hope you guys are too. Let's get ready for Megan and let's welcome her back. Case is so great. She makes me feel all nice. I like her. Keep her around for a couple years if you can. Well, this week was Summit Week, our spiritual emphasis week here at IWU. And I recognize that Jim and Jerilyn Bogier gave us a couple themes for us. The idea of God's love, his power, creating our identity and purpose in him. And, and they wrapped it all up in this idea of our story. What is your story going to be? So we're going to continue this theme of story actually for the rest of this semester here at Iwo in the chapel. And we're going to have a couple of returning IWU community members coming back to share a little bit of their testimony, a little bit of their story as as it has been since they've left IWU. So as Casey said, I was a student body chaplain the last two years. Um, Let me give you an update. For those that are new, hi, welcome. It's so great to meet you. I can see there's a couple more faces. For those that already knew me, let me give you an update. After I graduated this last spring, I started my master's here with the Kern Ministry Program. And uh, last month, I got a cat, and that was pretty big for me, so yeah. But that's pretty much it. So I don't really know why the chapel brought me back. No, the reality is I believe that God is moving in me even today, and I'm so excited for what I have to share for you share with you today. So I'm going to have to be a little vulnerable and admit that the story that I'm going to share isn't done yet. All right, you're not getting a finished off, polished up piece of Megan here. I hope you'll be okay with it because that's where we're going to go. This is going to be the rough draft, but I believe that God uses our testimonies even where we are. And that is my prayer for you today that I would be able to be that for you. So let's pray together first. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that we have the opportunity today to come before you, to worship you, and to respond as a community together. I pray for these, your people, that they would have their hearts and minds open to you, that Lord, I would remain faithful to the words that you have given me, that my life and my sermon would be for you. We pray this in your name. Amen. So as I mentioned before, I'm gonna be sharing a little bit about my story as God is working in me today. But first, um, before I do that, I wanna share a little bit of a scripture God has given me actually for a whole year now, almost to the day. So if you would get your Bibles, for those who actually like opening up their Bibles, I'm gonna give you a chance to do that, all right? And for those who don't, in a couple minutes, I'm gonna have them put the scripture on screen. Not yet, we don't need it yet. But get some time, and you're gonna open up to Psalm 73. Let me give a little bit of context for the scripture. Do you ever have those moments where you're listening to the radio and then there's just that one song that comes on and you know, this is my song, okay? And then you like find it on Spotify and then you play it over and over and over and over again until you're sick of it and then you keep playing it because it is your song. Like it just fits where you are in life or where you are emotionally, okay? One year ago, I was reading through scripture And then I came across this passage, and I was like, oh man, this is my psalm, okay? Get it? All right, it actually makes a lot of sense. Psalms were the songs of Israel worship, okay? So our collection, the book of Psalms, is a hymn book for their temple worship. And so I'm gonna give you a little bit of context of Psalm 73. We believe that most of the scriptures, the the psalms in scripture, we kind of connect with King David. We know that he was a songwriter and musician, but there are actually several other writers of certain psalms, one of them being a man named Asaph. So the Psalm 73 in its title is attributed to Asaph. Asaph was a basically a worship leader, a director of worship for King David at Jerusalem. Now we know through what it says and mentions of him in the chronicles we can kind of get a picture of Asaph's life and as he was a high leader in temple worship in Solomon so we had the the covenant with David and then they built the temple with Solomon and even after when we would have the civil war that would split the northern and southern kingdoms so through this time all the way into his early age he has been a great leader for worship in Israel that means If we can picture it, that he was there for the peak of God's worship, and he was also there for its corruption when Israel would start moving back into idol worship, like with the influence of Solomon's wives later in his life. So when we look at Psalm 73, I want you to understand kind of the, the perspective that Asaph is having. This is written later in his life, and it begins as a lament a cry of sadness to God that the things around him aren't right. He begins to complain about the wicked prospering around him, likely probably the other leaders in the king's court that he would interact with. He had seen such great things and got to be a part of the worship of God, and now things are going wrong. We see he says in the first couple verses things like, as for me, I almost slipped. I nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant. Oh, we don't need that yet. You can take it off. It's going to distract him. We're not at that verse yet. Thanks. P.S., thanks for our tech people. They save lives, okay? Yes, thank you. Please clap for that. They really do. So he says, I almost slipped. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They clothe themselves in pride and evil doing. They scoff at the heavens and God who will do nothing. And they get no punishment for their wickedness. He says in 13, surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted and every morning brings new punishment. So when I read this scripture a year ago, whereas I may not have been in the exact same life situation as Asaph, I could feel his emotion, the frustration, kind of having this idea of, okay, God, what gives? Because there are things in life that I don't understand. There are things that you are supposed to own up to and change. Those who serve you are supposed to prosper. Those who don't, don't. So what gives, God? Your promises don't seem to be real to me right now. So one year ago I was in a student body chaplain and I loved my role, it was so good, but it was also very busy. And I got to see a lot of brokenness on this campus and in my Marian community that I hadn't known before and I I can't pretend isn't there anymore. There are things that I was confused about and so I come to God going, hey, change this. I say a lament to God. and I didn't have words, I came to ASAPS. But I want you guys to look now at verse 16, we'll have it up on screen. And this is what he says, "'When I tried to understand all of this, "'it troubled me deeply till I entered the sanctuary of God. "'Then I understood their final destiny.'" So I want you to see from here on, there's gonna be a huge pivotal point, a change in this Psalm. All right, the first part was a lament, and it's gonna move forward in a completely different direction that when I first read it, I didn't first understand. So we're gonna look at, uh, start at verse 21. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by your right hand. You guide me with your counsel and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you and on earth has nothing I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but my God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. I see nowhere in the life of Asaph that God immediately changed his situation. it would be a long time before Israel would see a growth of worship like Asaph had known before. He didn't necessarily take away or answer all of the questions that Asaph had. But there's this huge change in Asaph's life when he enters into the sanctuary of God, enters into the presence of the Lord, and God changes everything in him, in his perspective. And so for a whole year now, I've been praying over this psalm. Every time I don't get it, every time I don't understand things, when I doubt myself, God says, hey, I'm your portion I'm your strength. When I'm confused by what other people say to me, I say, look, God is all I desire out of this earth. And I move back to it and I realize one of the biggest things he's teaching me through this is my need for God's presence. I can be so wrapped up in serving the Lord and trying to spiritually muscle my way to get to the answers that I never actually just stand in God's presence like He's really calling me to do. So I told you that this story actually continues on to today, and I'm going to get there now. When I saw my need for God, I planned accordingly. So last year, I said, okay, I'm stressed, I am busy. I love serving God, but I need more time for him. This next year, I'm gonna change things, loosen the load, make it easier for me to be with God, right? And that's going perfectly. Megan is so holy because I have so much free time, right? The reality is that I don't have everything figured out. I purposely didn't choose to take on a full-term ministry or a job like most of my peers, because I knew that I was struggling with emphasizing my works of God over God himself. I tried to set things aside to emphasize what I knew I needed the most, but can I be honest? When I look back to last year, I can be so excited that that was my peak, my senior year. I got to be in a A spiritual leadership position it was great and I look forward to the future because next year I'm called over to go to Georgia and there's a a Wesleyan church there that I'm going to serve as a resident pastor for and that's new and it's exciting and that's great and sometimes when I look at where I am now things are different a lot of my friends have graduated relationships change Like I said, I don't have the same job or same ministries. I'm acting more like an adult, or at least pretending and trying to learn how to be one. Things are different, and sometimes I can feel disappointed. And so I look to God, and I wonder, why is it like this? And I realize that my need for him goes further than just my schedule. It went down to a very identity level that I was trying to get my purpose from working trying to get my identity from being a great spiritual leader for God. And so I come before him again, and he humbles me again, and he shows me I need his presence to get my very identity from him. And this is my story. I'm trying, I'm learning, I still struggle with questioning whether I should be doing more, still want to serve, and I do, and I love it. But I need it to be out of God. So, this is my question for you. What will your story be? I'm still working through it, but I'm seeking God's presence, and this is what we have right now. We are in God's presence, and I believe that that does change everything. Dr. Brain.
1: Thank you, Megan. She talked about this being the rough draft of her life story. Do you know you're writing your rough draft as well? It's Still in the process. This has been summit week. This is Friday of summit week. Summit, for some people, is that moment, that time when they make a life-altering decision that they look back at and say, all my life I'll remember that. It was in the fall of 2015. I was a sophomore, I was a junior, whatever it was, and some of you made a decision just like that this week. We want to celebrate that with you. But I realize that some of you needed to make that decision, and you didn't. It's still an issue that's sitting in your life, and there are things you need to settle with God, and you haven't settled it yet, but today on this last day of Summit Week, we want to give you an opportunity to do that. Just a moment, our worship team is coming back, and we're going to do an extended set of worship, and and all it is is a time for us to direct our attention to the Lord, and for you, if you have an issue to settle, to come and do that. Come to a place of prayer. One of our chaplains will be with you, just to pray with you if you want, and it can be that moment still that you look back and say, it wasn't during the three days of summit, but on the Friday after, my life was changed forever. It may be that some of you are sitting here and you're fairly at peace with where you are with God. And that's a good thing. But I tell you, I've been walking around trying to get to know the campus and trying to get to know you. And one of the things I've heard over and over again is sensed is that there are a lot of you that are hungry for more that you think maybe we're on the edge of a revival, a move of God's spirit, that would sweep across this campus and change us, that would spread from here to other campuses that would, that would affect the world. And it may be, I'd ask you, I'd ask you to join me in praying for that. And in this extended time of worship, if you want to come out from where you are and come and kneel at the altar and seek the Lord and beg him, implore him for something more, offer himself to you. If you want to come down in front to worship, we welcome you to do that. We're just going to spend some time worshiping. And you need to spend some time doing exactly what God asks you to do.